Hey there, this is Jessica Stewart, and you are listening to Finding Your Calm with Your Teenager, episode number nine. Anyone out there have trouble remaining calm when dealing with your teenager? I do, and I did, still do a lot of the time, and that's what this podcast is about. I truly believe that if you can remain calm with your teenager, you can pretty much remain calm in any situation. So listen in for my tips and really practical advice for how to do this in your own life. Stay tuned. Welcome back. I'm so glad you're joining me today. I am just back from a week of vacation from my day job. I live in Niagara, Ontario, Canada, and we are fortunate enough to have the use of a cottage that my parents own in Northern Ontario. So this is a cottage that we've been able to go to for probably maybe a year before we had kids. So my kids have grown up at the cottage. And of course, we're on, not of course, we're lucky enough to be on a lake. And With that brings a lot of activities that I have looked at over the years as activities that cause me anxiety. Like my boys have gone from, you know, being in a life jacket, not out of our sight at the front of the waterfront, us being with them every moment of every day to each year wanting to do something more. They've uh, grown up there, grown up around the water got their boat license, and then ultimately have gone out boating by themselves, of course, with us first and learning how to do it. But then eventually they go off by themselves. They have friends across the lake and they go off on little adventures with them. And all of these things have had me have to work on my ability to allow them to do things and and kind of have to trust in their ability as they gain confidence and skill and know that they know what to do to um, go out and do some more things. And I have found over the years that it, I maybe have learned to manage my thinking around it better. I don't know that it's ever really gotten easier as they've grown up, become teenagers then and Sometimes there was a period of time where they didn't really want to come to the cottage anymore because they would, you know, miss their friends and they, or they have jobs, so they wouldn't come up to the cottage with us. And then I so long for them to come there and then maybe they come for a few days, but then when they're there, I'm thinking, geez, it was so much easier when they were at home. I had this illusion that they were, you know, safe and sound at home, even though I wasn't with them. Um, But then when they come up to the cottage, then they want to do all these water sports and all these things that I view as risky. And it's these, you know, questions that I've wrestled with over the years, like, are my kids old enough to do this, to do these things on their own? Are they responsible enough? Do I let them do it? Are they going to get hurt? And it's, is ultimately decisions that come up as our kids get older, as they go from being children who are with us all the time to being teenagers who we are deciding what we let them do. And this is a huge part of parenting a teenager. I see so many questions come up when I look at parenting forums. So I 
follow some, you know, parents of teenager forums on Facebook and social media. And this is a big thing that comes up all the time. It's like, what do I let my teenager go out to this person's house? Do I let them sleep over? Do I let them go on a vacation with another family? Do I let them go to a party when I don't know the parents? And the point of this podcast is not to tell you what to do or what not to do or what's right, because ultimately there's no right decision. There's probably maybe better decisions and maybe more informed decisions. But one of the things that we do as life coaches is help people learn how to make decisions. And the decision-making process has a lot more to do with you and your ability to handle whatever comes of the decision that you make rather than the actual content of the decision you make. So just making a decision uh, is not what a life coach would tell you, okay, yes, this is the right decision. You should do this. A life coach uh, looks at what are your options? What decision do you want to make according to your life um, goals, your beliefs, your values, your uh, ideas about what your teenager can handle? And then how are you going to handle whatever happens as a result of the decision. So that's what I want to talk about today is the question of should I let my teenager do this or not? And that is huge. Um, That's a big challenge, I think, for all parents of teenagers. And what I want to offer too is when you're looking at when you're asking this question of a ton of people on social media. So when people post these questions, I'm not saying that it's wrong. I just want you to consider how that helps your decision-making process. For me, who likes to look at all the information and believe me, I, you know, Google different things too. Like what do I do here? And what's the right decision? And how old should my child be before they do such and such? And it often leaves me feeling more confused because there is just so many different answers. And the other thing to consider is that when people are answering in these forums, they don't know you, they don't know your life circumstance, they don't know what your teenager is like, they don't know what their their capability is, and they're answering you based on their own life experience, based on maybe something that happened in their life. And I find that when you get all these opinions together, they can end up leaving you feeling more confused than ever. And the other sort of myth, I think, is that there is a right answer. And there isn't ultimately a quote-unquote right answer for the things that you're doing. I mean, we can agree that the right answer could be the one that leaves everybody feeling the most safe, but there are situations where, you know, we let our children go and do things that ultimately, yes, could put them at risk. And we kind of have a calculated risk and a relationship with that risk as well. So we have to consider how these things when we're making decisions as well. So what I want to give you today is just a bit of a framework and some questions to ask yourself when you're making your decisions. Because what I believe is that it's better for you to make your own decisions based on the knowledge of your own child, their capabilities, your own teenager, their capabilities, and 
that something that's aligned with your own beliefs and values, because one person is not going to have the same values as you do, is not going to um, believe the same things. And I can't tell you the right decision for your life in anything. The only thing I can do is ask you some questions and have you think about what you want to do in this situation and also give you some guidance in how to manage your emotions or feelings about what happens as the result of the decision that you make. So both roads can feel sort of awful and impossible. Like we could feel angry at ourselves for not doing the right thing, or we could also have anger from our teenagers when we ultimately might have to say no to them. So there's many times when you raise a teenager that you have to say no to them. And sometimes that keeps us from making a decision that we really want to make. We, we might just say yes to them because we want to make them happy or we don't want them to be mad at us. And that's not always the right decision for us as parents. Okay. I'm not going to name a certain circumstance, but there are certain situations that you know, ultimately this is a bad move. Your child's not ready for whatever's going to happen. And you will have to face the, their emotions And allow them to feel what they want to feel while holding what you want to do uh, as well. So I'm going to talk about some tough decisions now. I'm not going to talk about the easy sort of no-brainer decisions. I'm going to talk about the decisions that come up when our teenager asks us to do something that they've never done before. It involves you having a huge element of trust in their ability to handle it. And what I will tell you is that for me, the first answer in my brain is always, no, you're not doing it. I, I can't, I won't be able to handle, you know, what's going to happen if something should happen, if something ends up putting you in harm's way. And that's always where my brain goes. Um, and I used to say probably no first off all the time. And But I have to realize that my ultimate goal with raising a teenager is raising somebody who is able to make smart decisions on their own. And so now I've sort of tempered my, I mean, if it's a no, it's a no. Like sometimes, you know, just automatically, it's a no brainer. You don't even have to think about it. But also just check yourself that if your automatic response is always no to everything, then you will get a lot of argument and friction and it is worthwhile to consider these things that your children or your teenagers are asking you is how are you making the decision? If it's completely based in your own fear about the potentials of things that could happen, just spend some time considering that. Are you making the decision purely out of fear about what could could possibly happen? Or are you making an honest thought out decision based out of uh, love? And this is a good barometer for your decisions because making a decision out of love can still be a no, um, but it can also be no because I know that you're not ready to take that step right now and you don't have the proper training. You don't, I don't know that you will know what to do in this situation if this comes up. And so 
making decisions isn't always meaning you're just going to say yes, obviously. It's making a decision. You're going to say yes, you're going to say no. You might say yes, but um, not right now. You might say no, I will think about it. You might say not even a yes or no right away. You might say, let me think about it and I'll get back to you. And often this way, when you have to think about something and when you answer the request in that way, you still have the option to say yes or no later, and you still have the option to consider what uh, all the reasons are or what all the um, evidence, I guess, is for making your decision one way or the other. Now, the other thing to think about too is that if you are going to say no to the request of your teenager, you will have to be prepared to deal with their emotions because if they want to do something and you say no, don't be shocked if you come up against a battle with them or you come up with them not being happy about it. And the what I do see is that if you say no and then they don't just automatically say, oh, all right, that's fine. Then you're, we're, we're shocked in some way by our teenager's behavior. Like remember when you were a kid and you asked for something and your parents said no to you, you weren't happy about it. You weren't just content to go on and say, oh, okay, well, that's fine. I understand that may happen. Sometimes that, that has happened with my own children. But I will say most often, if there's been something that I've had to say no to, my child will be upset with me. They'll be angry. And we have to allow them to be that way. We have to allow them to feel how they feel about it. So, um, and this doesn't mean we can just allow everything like we can allow abusive behavior and them to feel that way at you. Like they could, they can yell at you, um, that, you know, everything's fair game. What I mean about allowing them to feel their emotions is expect them and kind of anticipate it ahead of time. Like you can say, for example, I know you're not going to like my decision and this is why I've come to this decision and give them a reason. And I know sometimes the, the old ways of parenting that we were handed is that just it, a no should be enough just because I said so. I don't need to provide you a reason because I'm not, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm, the per, I'm the parent, I'm the one in charge, I'm the authority. When I say no, it's no, and I don't need to negotiate with you at all. Now, this kind of brings me back to the episode on connection. This kind of uh, way of dealing with your teenager doesn't really foster a sense of connection with them at all. It just really shuts all of that down. And when you put connection as your priority, you can still be connected with them. You can still also allow them to have their emotions and feelings and understand and say, look, I know you really wanted to do this thing, but I just am not letting you do this right now. And I may rethink it sometime in the future, but for right now, it's a no. So just consider that allowing them to have their emotions and also anticipating and expecting them to have their emotions about your decision is it's, it's going to happen and don't be surprised if, and when it does happen. So the other question you can ask yourself is, do you believe this is a reasonable request for your teenager to be asking? So like I said, if no, then it's a no. And if yes, then it's a yes. And if it's a maybe, you might be somewhere in between and you might be having to deal with some of your own fears about what they're asking. So um, 
keep in mind that, you know, we have to assess if something is a reasonable risk and if you feel it's appropriate for their age. And also you can have a discussion with them about do they know how to handle the potential things that could come up? Because you you could have a discussion around it, like this is why I'm hesitant to do this. And you can ask them even, what are you going to do if this situation is going to come up? Like, who do you know what to do in this situation and have them kind of run through the possible things that you're having concerns about? And then this allows you to know that they are have thought about this stuff. And I even have read in a book somewhere, some sometime I read lots of books, but the idea of saying to your teenager or your child when they want to do something, just say, convince me, like tell them, well, how, how come I should let you do this? And that gives them the opportunity to come up with all the things that they've thought of. And maybe they've thought of all, a lot of the fears that you have in advance. And that gives you the ability to see where their thinking process is and what they've come up with in regards to what they're asking you to do. So, um, is it a reasonable request for someone their age and why or why not? And then also I want you to consider is how will you feel if you say yes to this request? And that doesn't mean that if you're going to, going to feel nervous about them doing this, that you should definitely say no, because this is where the managing of emotions comes in for us. Okay. So if it's something that you've decided is reasonable for them to do, and you are, you know, you're going to be worried about them, or you're going to be thinking about them or nervous about them. That doesn't automatically mean you just say no to everything that they're going to do. They ultimately are growing up. You want them to become independent adults and they will in this life, I'm sure you've encountered it already. They'll be doing things that you're going to be nervous about. And you have to manage your own emotions around that and understand that when they go and do this thing, when they go out on the lake for the first time in a boat on their own or with, or with their friends, that more than likely you're going to be having some fear and anxiety around that. And then consider how you will uh, manage that, what you will tell yourself about that. So the other thing I think I already said it uh, already is how will I feel if I say no and how will they likely react and what will you do when they react in the way that we talked about so um, kind of be prepared ahead of time for their reaction and be prepared to stay calm and not escalate when they have that reaction and say I understand that you're upset by this um, and then also um, is the decision that you're making out of fear or out of love? I did talk about this already and decisions we make out of fear end up sort of limiting our, uh, limiting the growth that we have. So decisions for ourselves and for other people, when we make them always out of fear, they end up really having a closed feeling around them. And I'm not, a healthy dose of fear is, is obviously what is needed. And our brains will offer us the, all the reasons that we need to be afraid of what we're doing and all the reasons we need to be afraid of what our children are doing. They will hand that to you in spades. They will just say, here are all the worst case scenarios 
And that will leave you not letting your kids do anything. It will, it will leave you not doing anything yourself that's out of your comfort zone and not allowing your children to do anything that's outside of your comfort zone either. And that has a very limiting effect. So this is where it comes into the examination of your decision-making process and looking to have other people tell you what to do and what's the right decision. And what I will say about that is that we want certainty and our brains love to be certain that whatever anybody does, whatever decision we make is going to end up being the quote unquote right decision. And that has certainty of safety for all and the certainty that we won't have to feel a certain way. And unfortunately their life is as we know through raising children and just living our own lives. But I think it becomes abundantly clear when you raise children, you then become so aware of all the risks out there. And that even if you make all the quote unquote right decisions, or you don't let your kids do anything, there's still life is sort of inherently risky. And you have to kind of come to grips with that as, as you um, go through the parenting process is that they're are so many risks and you have to evaluate what is an acceptable risk for yourself and what is an acceptable risk for your children. So those are the things to consider. I think when making a decision, I want you to trust yourself and your own decision-making process first and foremost, unless you always, always, always say no, no matter what, and never let anybody do anything, that might be something to look at, might be something to consider. Um, Why are you saying no all the time to everything that your children ask potentially? Um, But if you look at things from a common sense kind of standpoint, you'll find that you have so much knowledge in what the right thing to do is. And the other thing I want to offer is that, and I don't want to go back to like, oh, in the olden days when there was no social media, none of this stuff. I, I don't I don't want to go back to there, but just for a moment, think about parental decisions when you didn't have all of the extra information that we have at our fingertips. Like what if you didn't have somebody there to tell you what to do? What Then what would your decision-making process be? And it's a helpful exercise because it really can help you sort of focus in on what you really want to do and tap into your own knowledge and wisdom and judgment in uh, any given situation. And this can just help increase your confidence in making decisions one way or the other. Okay, so I hope that was helpful and it... Um, gives you just a framework of reference and also go back to the framework of when you're making decisions and how you're being as a parent, go back to those. Is it, does it have you keep uh, with connection with your child? Does it have you in acceptance with them? And then we talked about love and then also managing emotions. So you can apply that framework to your decision-making process as well. All right. So I will see you or talk to you next week. Take care. Bye-bye.